struggle of a hustler Life of a banker Death is no stranger I know I'm like it's kin to me Took a few friends from me It all makes sense One day eventually I guess so Granny said it happened And it's meant to be Just let go But I can't just shit Keep itching me like The niggas out of line How they came through Shot him in his face Point blank Left his brains blue Now who gon' go for him Probably be the same crew And banging this your religion It's like a sin not to A lot of niggas ain't cut From that same cloth Then I give him space Gotta play it safe Cause hard niggas turn holy When they catch a case I still Bark real talk, I never fake. Why park late night, still chop even grind with the homies, sir. If you've been paying attention to the news, social media, whatever the outlet you choose to get your information from, pretty sure you've heard by now that this past weekend, Sunday, um Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, the whole West Coast, the hip hop community, more importantly, um, Parents, children, siblings, and a fiance lost someone special. Um, that person was Nipsey Hussle, who was gunned down this past Sunday in front of his store. So I'm going to stop this episode off with a moment of silence for the late, great Nipsey Hussle. If you are not knowing, um, Nipsey Hussle was gunned down this past Sunday in front of his uh, the Marathon Clothing Store, which he had gone to. To he literally died just just being a good, genuine human being as he's always been, or that he's always displayed throughout his entire career. Um, the story, um, as it's developing, was that he, if you don't know anything about Nipsey Hussle, he owns a clothing store, and I'm gonna get into all of that. But he owns a clothing store in Crenshaw, on Crenshaw and Slauson. Where he was, uh, where he basically grew up, and he had a friend who had been serving twenty years in prison, who had just got out of prison. And if you don't know too much about like when people get out of prison, especially like after serving long years, they sometimes ask their loved ones to send like an outfit um, ahead of time before they get out, so that they have some clothes, um, just at least the first day they get out. And if they don't get that clothes by the time, you know, they usually are in the clothes that they have been in. You know, with, with that time that they've been in prison. So, um, my understanding is that this friend who just got out of prison in 20 years was probably surprised that his family wasn't letting anybody know that he had got out. So, Nipsey Hussle, being a good human being that he's been, being a good man, being a, a reputable man that he's been, decided to, to tell his friend to meet him at the store so that he can lace him in some of his gear. So, they meet at the store and I guess upon the time that they was at the store, there was a, a person that I'm not even going to say a person There was a coward that Nipsey Hussle knew That showed up And he's a, he's a well known snitch If you know anything about the streets There's zero tolerance for snitching So you can understand the reason for not wanting this person around But anyways this, uh, this snitch showed up And I guess they told him like you know He's not supposed to be around to, to get away And this person felt some type of way about it And he left Only to come back And to End up opening fire and ultimately fatally shooting Nipsey Hussle. Two more other people were hit. Two other other people were one of the dude that uh, one of the, the dude who just got out of prison, and the person who was driving him around, the person who literally drove him to the store, also got hit. Um, fortunately, those two people didn't die, but unfortunately, the third person we lost, which was the late great Nipsey Hussle. 
So before I guess before I get into anything, I do want to send my thoughts and prayers, and not just saying it's just to say it, but I actually have been praying for that family, to his his family he left behind, you know, a, a grandmother, uh, more family than that, but just like the immediate family that he's always been vocal about within his career, uh, his grandmother, his, his parents, both his parents, his siblings, his brother and his sister. Um, he has two children, and he has a fiance. Um, I only say I want to send my thoughts and prayers because I know what they're going through. Like I've been through this, I'm still going through this to this day. It's not something. It's not something easy to deal with. It's not something that I don't know you can ever get over. But I really want to just send my thoughts and prayers out to that family before I get into anything. Um, as far as well, I spoke about the communities that that lost tremendously, that suffered tremendously within this loss. Um, there's a lot of communities, but I can speak specifically for the Los Angeles community, not because I'm from Los Angeles, but I'm from Los Angeles County. So, you know, while not every city within Los Angeles County is the same, a lot of stuff that we deal with are the same. A lot of stuff that we go through are the same. And the reason why I say this is because it's just an all Los Angeles County thing. It is not limited to Los Angeles County, but I can only speak from my experience from Los Angeles, being from a product from Los Angeles County, that we lost a, a, a mogul. We lost a rapper that championed the city. We lost a community leader that was actively uh, changing or actively improving our community. Um, someone, we lost a, I said a mobile already. We lost a, a tech mobile because he was expanding into the tech world. And even more than that, because something that he speak about openly all the time with his um, interviews, if you ever listen to Nipsey Hussle's interview, he always speak about inspiration. So we personally lost, we was we was robbed of someone who inspired us. You know, within those type of cities, especially like underprivileged cities, it's well known that there are two ways to get out of those situations, especially being a young black man. But this is not limited to young black men. This is not limited to black people. Um, but just being products of those environment, you know, is is well known the ways to get out of there is either rapping or hooping. And what he was doing is he was changing that narrative, and he was showing that there were other avenues to pursue. And even if you know you wanted to pursue either of the two common avenues, you know, it's not impossible to go back and pursue something else. So this is why I say we lost inspiration. Nipsey Hussle was a well-known businessman within Los Angeles community. He was, as I said, he opened, he had a, he had a clothing store. And the reason why that clothing store is so monumental, like he, he opened, he had, he was selling merchandise. Like he, he's had merchandise for, for a while, but the clothing store that, that he reopened in 2017 was such, such a great, 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 great pillar within that community that it was the first first of all it was the first smart store i believe in the united states and what i mean my smart store is that i don't know if any of my listeners uh actively shop in nike but if you ever go to nike you you'll understand what i mean by smart store because nike has started to implement it in their stores but what i mean my smart store is that you know we are in a tech savvy world now so like everything is available on our phone and what he did is he implemented this two years ago mind you as big as Nike is, as big of a company Nike is, 
Nike just opened its first March store out here in New York last year. Was it last? It was either last, late last year, um, November last year, 2018. He opened his store in 2017. Granted, his store is not as big as Nike, but that's not the case. It was a fact of what he was introducing to the world and what he was introducing to the community. And what I mean by smart store is that the store was completely digital. Um, the the cash registers were iPads, um, but the way that you consume everything within the store was was very digital digitally integrated. And what I mean by that is that there were barcodes and there was Q. Uh, I think they call QR codes. Excuse me if I get it wrong, but I think they call QR codes where you can just scan it and then you get something on your phone. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you have a phone. You be anywhere. QR codes are everywhere. But basically, what he did is he implemented a system to where if you wanted to buy something, all you had to do is literally scan it on the phone. And if you already had like mobile payment, a mobile payment set up on your phone, you're able to buy it that way. But another thing that he did was he implemented that you know within a store, you were also able to scan like different little barcodes to hear unreleased music. And that music, you can only hear it within that store. So it, it was like a, a complete, just not, not even just a shopping experience. It was just a complete uh, Nipsey Hustle experience going to the store. And he wasn't there all the time. But, you know, there are some times that you would pop up and he would be there. Or somebody you know, somebody who had been on the track of his had been there. But that's not even the case. The case was that he implemented something and he showed the world something that we have never seen before. And now we've seen going forward, there are going to be a lot of smart stores and there have been smart stores opening up. So like that right there was monumental. But even beyond that, the fact that he owned the space that he owned the, the space in was very monumental. He he's openly spoken within his career about and excuse me, because this 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 podcast episode is going to be all over the place. Um just because it's like it's, it's so much this man has done and so much this man had done to inspire me to inspire people that look like me inspire people all over the world so it's like stuff is going to be coming to my head as this podcast is going on but to get back to the the store the space that he owned there there's a a, a retail center where his store was at initially he had a space in that retail center to where he was just selling merchandise so what it wasn't as much of a clothing store or a retail store that he ended up turning into last year, but it was just like literally like merchandise. Um, if you know anything about Nipsey Hustle, he from Crenshaw, so you know they had the the Crenshaw sweaters that was very very popular. Uh, uh, the Crenshaw beanies that was very popular, but they also had the Marathon clothing, which was his also his brand. Um, and so that's what they literally just used to sell. It's kind of like a brick and mortar, just selling merchandise uh, type of store. But anyways. He started off with that years ago. I want to say it may have been like 2014, 2015. And the significant thing about this is this is the same. This was the same retail spot where he said that, you know, he used to hustle out of in his younger years um, selling. I'm not going to say what he used to sell. That's neither here nor there. But then later when he turned into a rapper, he also used to sell CDs out of his trunk out of the same retail spot. And like the owners of this retail spot used to run them out of the, the parking lot. Um, and so he doubled back and came back and opened up a store and that expanded over the years. And so there's seven spots in this retail center. Um, he I think up to like 2016, he owned four of the spots in that retail center. He had his clothing store. Um he had a, 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 a wireless uh, phone shop 
to where they were selling, obviously, like phones. And you don't think about like LA culture, because I don't know if it's everywhere, because I, I rarely see it anywhere else, but I know like within LA, we, we still have wireless phone stores. Um, he had a food place, and I don't remember what the, f- the fourth one was, but this was four out of seven spots within that retail center. He he owned it. And then just recently, last year, you know, he put out that they are now the proud owners of that entire retail spot. So, like, he was actively improving his his business business. He was actively showing just a blueprint to, like, okay, you know, this is something this is something that, that, that can happen. It just takes time. Because Nipsey Hussle, the first time I started listening to Nipsey Hussle, I want to say it was, like, 2008. I heard uh, Hustle in the House. But he has remained relevant from 2008 till literally today, 2019, while releasing only one debut album. Granted, that's not the only body of work that he's released. He's released mixtapes. But if anybody who's a consumer of music know that mixtapes only get you so far, the the main thing that keeps you relevant is its albums. So the fact that he's been able to stay relevant for so long and only released one debut album is a testament to how great of a, a businessman he was how successful he was able to to maintain because you know being a rapper is, is not something cheap especially maintaining relevancy it's not something that's cheap so it just shows that he was able to to make money elsewhere even if rap wasn't bringing in money all the time or even if he wasn't you know always focused on rap so like stuff like this is very inspiring to me someone who is planning on venturing into the music industry but not being uh, a music artist and so also someone who comes from an underprivileged community and want to see some type of change or want to implement some type of change in that community like i'm speaking about the retail space that that he ended up taking over and ended up owning i had the same same type of mindset later i don't know like i don't know where my life is going to take me i don't know what i'm going to end up doing in my life but i know what plans i have for myself and I know what I want to do as far as like where I was raised. Where I was raised is a uh, the the cross streets of, of Rosecrans and Burris on a corner, literally on a corner of my street, or on a, diagonally across the street from the house I was raised in. There's been an empty lot for I'm 26 years old. I don't know if it's been my whole life, but I want to say for 26 years, there's been an empty lot directionally diagonally across from where I grew up at. Now I know there used to be a um there used to be a, a gas station there way before my time because my mom said that when she was a teenager she used to work there. But since my time, since I've been alive, it's literally been an empty lot. Um a desolate empty lot for a whole twenty six years. Um I don't know when that gas station shut down. I don't know when they demolished everything on that lot, but it's literally been empty and so like I've always had uh, I've been of the mind state that, you know, there's gonna be some uh, a point in time to where I'm going to make enough amount of money to to put something there because there's no way that you know there should not even not even that there's no way that it should be empty. But that's a that's a that's a uh, opportunity for me to not only invest in the neighborhood that I grew up in, it's diagonally across the street from the house I grew up in, but also to to bring jobs within the community. That's another thing that he done. When you when you are able to invest in your community and you're able to open up businesses and you're especially you're of that community, you're also able to reach back and give people opportunities. And that's another thing that he's done so inspiring is that 
he gave people jobs. People who may have been down on luck couldn't find jobs anywhere else. Not only did he give people jobs, that's beyond a point. He created these jobs. Like, it's one thing to give a job or you may have connection. Be like, hey, you know, maybe hire this person. But to be the, the reason why these jobs are being created, to be the reason why these opportunities are created, not only is that better for the economy of the neighborhood you grew up in, but that's great for the people in your community who may have a hard time finding these opportunities. So it's a lot of stuff this man was, as I spoke about, you know, a few minutes ago. But the inspiration that he provided for us, it was so monumental. Um I'm going to play this, and this is not going to be like a regular episode. I'm going to be all over the place, as I just stated. But also, like, I'm going to try to implement a couple clips from I took from a couple uh, interviews that I've heard of him. But uh, this first clip I'm going to get into is just him just openly speaking about his business ventures, his business ventures and his... I don't know what just happened there. My microphone just went out, so this is going to sound kind of choppy, which it is because it's two separate recordings. But uh, let me get into yeah, so the agency was basically, um, after we did the Crenshaw release, I came up with a, a marketing concept called Proud to Pay. And what it was, was a multiple price point for the album. And so the one that we charged 100 for under the Proud to Pay campaign. And the idea was basically every brand has a certain section of their consumer base that's really all the way sold and committed and, and all the way convinced. And they riding, you know, to the wheels fall off. So whether it's you got a million fans and 10,000 of those fans are really, really proud to be a part of what you're doing, or if you got 1,000 fans and 100 of them is part of your proud to pay. There's a certain section of your fan base that's 100% sold. And I felt like if you focus on them, you can deliver higher product, higher quality product, and you can charge more. And so after that, reacting and did well, I wanted to be able to offer our perspective on marketing so we created the agency, in which is the partnership between George Benice, Karen Civil, and Stephen Carlettis and myself. And when I say myself, I mean the all money engine. How important was it to open a brick and mortar in Crenshaw and you know create this retail space and this retail experience for your fans? I always felt like what make Apple dope is that it's a, it's a complete ecosystem. You get your phone, the same colors that the operating system on your phone is, the same colors that they store, it's the same colors that the packaging of the product, or vertically integrated is the word. Like, I didn't see that in rap, you know what I mean? I think Jay-Z, one of the artists that's in that direction, he owned title. That's the retail space for his product. Shout out to the boss. <laughs> for sure, shout out to Jigga. He owned his master. So from actual conception to consumption, he can keep and curate the whole experience. That's what Apple is, you know what I mean? So I, I felt like for us to have a retail space with our aesthetic, the marathon it colors, the vibe that is on the artwork of the album, that's on the backdrop of the tour, you know what I mean? It'll create a consistency in the message. And like, you can hear it in that clip, just how well informed he is on the the business ideas he has, the business plans he have, also like the businesses he own. Like a lot of times we see people with money, especially like rappers, they have investments in certain things. They wouldn't be able to tell you anything other than what the fan probably already knows about the business. But he was very like he this is something that was very consistent within his career. He was very, very business minded. And he was very strategic in everything he's done. And this is something I always picked up on. And, and like, and I don't sound it, but I am. It's just hard for me to express it that I like. I'm really distraught about that we just lost a great soul like his in such a short time, in such a in such a a, a brutal 
way because there's not too many people from the hood that are available to 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 go back and give not only give back to the hood, but as this is gonna be a constant a constant theme within this episode, but to also inspire the hood. Because, you know, people can tell you that, oh, you know, you know, I, I own this business, I own this, but if they're not able to tell you about how to do this and what they actually do for that business or what they have to do to get there, it doesn't really help you because they're not really giving you a game. It's just basically them bragging. And throughout Nipsey Hussle's career, he has never been that type of braggadocious, like, you know, I own this, you niggas don't own nothing. He's always been, you know, giving out free game. And that's something I'll always appreciate. Um, that type of stuff is, is um, what I'm, what I'm saying. It's free. Um, you can't you can't pay for that type of stuff. So Nipsey Hustle, I wish that there would have been some type of time to where I would have been able to thank you. But honestly, I thank you so much for for all of you have done. Um, I know a lot of people are you know singing his praises on social media now. Um, a lot of people sung his praises on social media before as well, but obviously now and it's been in his death. Um, but this man is a man that was a great loss to us. To he was just it, it. I mean, I'm a lot of loss for words, honestly, and I have been in a loss for words for the past four or five days. Um, this is because I don't know. We don't often get these type of genuine people. Um, he set a model for a lot of us. Whether you wanted to to venture out and be an entrepreneur, he set a model for that. If you wanted to be an artist, he set a model for you know owning everything that you do, rather than signing away to a label. Um, and he also just was accessible. So like if young people wanted to 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 do good, or young people wanted to to study his his moves or their pattern or ideas behind something that he did. It was all readily available within the world. And this is why I say this is why I continue continuously speak on this inspiration, because that type of that type of mindset and those type of ideas are not something that's easy to come by. You know, we see we see like people like Elon Musk and even lower than that. We see people like Jay-Z. We see people like Puff Daddy. And we see how much they're worth. But we don't always get to see like what exactly you know we hear the stories about how they got to where they got, but we're not always able to visually see what they did to get there. Like I know Jay Z's upbringing was he was a he was a drug dealer, and at a certain point in his life he transitioned from becoming a drug dealer to to becoming a rapper. And eventually, when he became a rapper, he became a bigger business a business mogul. So like we are able to see. That that type of transition, or hear about the trans transition, or see like the aftermath of that transition, but we aren't able to visibly see that. Well, Puff Daddy, his uh his background was he he grew up in Harlem. He went to he went to college. I think he dropped out of college. Uh, he got a he got a entry level job within a, a record company, and from there he knew his worth, and he started finding he started finding artists, bringing artists at record company before eventually ended up leaving and starting his own. And then from there, from becoming a, a label owner, 
he was also an artist, and then he transitioned more into a, a business mogul. So, like, we hear the story, but we don't, we're not able to actively see the the trans- transition and progressions within these different ventures. With Nipsey Hussle, we've seen it from start to finish. Whether he was a fan of him or not, you can go back and figure it out, or you can go back, like, it's readily available on the internet. Um, in 2013 is when we really start to see him transition into, like, okay, I have an idea. This is how I'm going to execute it. And from there, I'm able to open up other doors. You know, the the first thing, and I'm going to preface this by saying, when I first heard the idea, I thought it was crazy. But I remember in 2000, I think 2013, when the Crenshaw mixtape dropped, or 2014, one of those two, he did something that was never uh, never heard of before, which was release a mixtape that was that cost $100. Now, if you know anything about albums, an uh, album may run you, especially in that time, uh, $12 at the most. If it's a deluxe edition album, it may run you about $19, $20. I don't think that much. I think it was like $17 or something like that. I forget the, the price for uh, the albums. I've bought myself on iTunes now, and it's all uh, automatically accredited in my account. Uh, I never look at the price. But actually, I think... CDs were costing eleven ninety nine back then, so maybe a deluxe album run you maybe like fifteen dollars or something like that, maybe fourteen ninety nine. But anyways, that's some as much as albums were running. He was selling a mixtape, not an album, and he sold it for a hundred dollars. And you don't, if you don't understand how great of a business move he was, you have to understand that Nipsey Hussle was also an independent artist. He was not signed to a major label. He owned everything that he put out into the world as far as musically and as far as merchandise. And the reason why I have to speak about that is because, you know, a lot of these artists are signed to deals where they get a lot of money up front and the label take everything they earn after that. So say like a label was to give a new artist a hundred million dollars, which is not never heard of and will never happen. But let's say a label give an artist a hundred million dollars. However, that artist accumulates over the time of their career uh, a billion dollars. Majority of the time, those labels are taking about 80, maybe 90%. Now, when you think of a billion dollars, you know, 10% is, is obviously good, but nobody makes a billion dollars. So those labels are taking 80 to 90% of everything they own on the back end just because of they gave that artist so much money up front and the artist took it. And in the contract, it literally allows them to take so much. So, like, all the money the artists get from streaming, all the money the artists get from sales, all the money the artists get from touring, all the uh, money the artists get from selling merchandise, the label takes all that back. And Nipsey Hussle has stood so firm on his foot throughout his whole career that, you know, his saying, his brand, his, his, his label was called All Money In. His saying throughout his whole career was All Money In, No Money Out. Uh, another saying of his was Fuck the Middleman. Essentially mean meaning that you know you don't have to sell everything over to a label. You own your own leverage. You own your own music. You own your own masters to your music. So when you're and unfortunately you know he's passed away. But even when you're not on this earth, your family is able to reap the benefits of the streams that you get because you own it. You know a lot of times these artists are signed to labels and the labels own everything. So when, when they pass away. And they still own a percentage of that music. Yes, the family gets some royalty checks, but those royalty checks are divided into the label, uh, into maybe like a business manager or a manager and everything else. But all this money was coming back to him. So to get back to the point that I was making, he sold a mixtape for $100. 
Now, I remember one of my friends, she was uh she's a big Nipsey Hustle friend, uh friend, Nipsey Hustle fan, was saying how she was gonna gonna buy the mixtape when it first came out. And me thinking, being ignorant, thinking like, yo, this mixtape, he's not that good of an artist for you to spend a hundred dollars on a mixtape. Uh it's just a mixtape. There's no way in hell you should be spending a hundred dollars on a mixtape. And you're crazy. And like I was being stupid, like trying to um trying to discourage her from buying a mixtape, but she like nobody and I was the only person, there was a lot of people telling her not to do it. But she didn't listen to none of us when she bought the mixtape and she just posted a picture uh recently and I commended her for that. Like, yo, you know, a lot of us was telling you not to do it, but that was legendary. And the reason why I say that was legendary because that opened up so many bitch ventures for Nipsey Hustle and it also opened up a lot of relationships. So he sold the mixtape at a hundred dollars and he only and he limited to a thousand dollars. Um, it li- limited to a thousand copies of the mixtape. So if you do your math, of a mixtape is a hundred dollars, and there's a thousand copies, is a hundred dollars. All that money goes back to back into him. So that's a great investment, especially when when you're an independent artist. So it worked out successfully for him. You know, some people who even had a lot of money and they figured it out, they respected it so much that they invested in it. Uh, Jay Z heard about it and he told him, "Hey, I want to buy some mixtapes." And Jay Z ultimately ended up buying sixty copies of this hundred dollar mixtape. So. That worked out well for him, which opened the door for the next mixtape that came the year after that was Mailbox Money. He priced this one at a thousand dollars, and that one was priced at a thousand dollars. I think he didn't. It was still successful, but I don't think he sold all of. It. I think he maybe had sold like sixty or seventy albums. But if you price the mixtape at a thousand dollars and you sell seventy, again, do the math and it tells you how much he made, how much he got back, and all this money went back into him. So like him standing standing firm on. Cutting the middleman out was such a great business acronym for him, but it was also, as I'm continue continue to, to to draw back to, it was also great inspirational wise because we live in a day and age where you know if even if we're like we're living in a day and age of of innovation, we're living in a day and age of do it yourself to where no matter what your field is, there's so many tools and so many resources. That we can do stuff ourselves, but sometimes it gets hard. Um, and I can speak personally for myself. Like, aside from this podcast that I host, I also DJ. Um, and within DJing, I host like I used to host a, a bi-weekly uh, DJ mix. And within that DJ mix, I used to do everything myself. I literally mix it. Obviously, if I'm a DJ, I have to mix it myself. But I used to market the, the, the DJ mix. Um, and I used to also create the cover art for the DJ mix. And I also used to find just like the different, because I also always implemented clips, um, like an intro or like interludes within my DJ mixes. And all the stuff I'm doing on my own. And all them type of skills are transferable. And this is literally an inspiration of something that I thought was so crazy that Nipsey Hustle provided for me and many other people all around the world. So I don't want to sell him short. Which I will do in this podcast because there's so much stuff that I'm not going to be able to touch upon or that I may forget to touch upon that he has done. But the main thing is just the inspiration he's provided. Um, we lost we lost a great man, and I've seen you know like the comparisons of like I know a lot of people are saying like we lost our generation Tupac, which I understand because we hold Tupac in such a high regard, and I don't mean to demean Tupac, which I'm not demeaning Tupac. But Nipsey Hussle is not Tupac. Nipsey Hussle is literally his own man. Um, and I'm going to say this again because I don't want to seem disrespectful. And also, I always say I don't speak ill of the dead. Um, I just don't believe in that. But 
one thing about Tupac, if you compare the deaths of Tupac and how the world reacted, like Tupac and Biggie, both great artists and both well-respected men. But when Tupac died, people started, they were so focused on, you know, figuring out, or they were so focused on the conspiracy theories, uh, not only just around his death, but his afterlife. Like, I know a, a huge thing of Tupac, and still, to, I think people don't believe it now, but I know a huge thing with Tupac in the decade after Tupac, or maybe around the time he died as well, is that he's not really dead. He flew to Cuba, or he's not really dead. That was fake. He hosted, and he just got out. Um, and I don't know that if this was denial of people not wanting to let go of someone who was such a great uh, artist and also a great just uh, revolutionary in that time. So I don't know if it was like people in denial of letting him go, but we didn't see videos of Tupac in a um, we didn't see videos of Tupac in a hearse being carried through his neighborhood. And the reason for that is Tupac was of everywhere. He was raised on the East Coast, but in his adult life, he spent his whole adult life on the West Coast. So. And even when he was on the West Coast, he wasn't in one spot. If you know anything about California, even if you don't know anything about California, Northern California and Southern California is two different places. Even in Northern California, it's broken down to, to different things. Like Northern California has the, the Valley, they have Sacramento, they have the Bay. You may think that it's all the same place, but it's literally not the same place. But Tupac was in Northern California when he first started out his career. And towards the end of his career, he spent a lot of time in Southern California, in LA. So, like, we didn't see videos of a Tupac Hurst being driven through his neighborhood because just and just like me, he spent his place, he spent his time a lot of places. Granted, I spent my, my time in, in specifically one place, but we didn't see videos of that. We seen videos of Biggie being carried through his his hearse through his neighborhood and the the large, the huge crowds that was within his neighborhood. That uh, supported him And I don't mean to go on a tangent Or even to, to go off the line But the reason why I said you can't compare Nipsey Hussle to Tupac is because Nipsey Hussle was of that community He literally Grew up in the community He literally grew up in the area That he took his last breath His his last breaths in um, And that's very unfortunate And I and I don't like speaking about that It just saying that it sounds crazy But that's that's who he. That's who he is. Um, it's unfortunate that that's how you go out, but I also think that, you know, I think certain things are, and I don't want to get into like religious aspects in this episode. I don't want to get into religious aspects on this podcast. I know that America is, is a crockpot of, of numerous religions, um, so I know like a lot of my listeners may be of, of many faith, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he went out. In the community that he was raised in, I don't think it's a coincidence that his first album, ultimately titled Victory Lap, came out and he was able to see the fruits of, he was able to receive his flowers. And then, unfortunately, a year later, um, he passes away. But I don't think any of this is a coincidence. I think that, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really want to get into it. But I think it's it's something bigger than 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 we understand. Like the fact that the we all know this title, his album was gonna be titled Victory Lap uh, since like 2012 when uh, the Marathon Continues came out and when um, 
uh, was it the marathon? When the marathon came out, uh, we knew that victory, the album was going to be titled Victory Lap. Um, so we had been waiting on the album for so long. But the fact that we had been waiting on this album for almost a decade, and he finally delivered, and you know, we were we were starting in uh, Southern California at least. It was a, it was like a joke that like you know we never gonna get the Nipsey Hustle album. He released very uh, numerous amount of mixtapes within this time, but he never released the album. And we had been waiting on the album for over a decade, and he finally released it. And it was all that it was. It was for me personally, it, it exceeded my expectations. Um, that album was something that I listened to almost like when it first came out. I didn't want to listen to anything else. It was two albums around that time that I listened to that it was like when it, even though very a numerous amount of CDs or mixtapes were released after that, it was only two that I was really running to. Big Crit's album who that was released in October, I listened from I listened to that album almost every week up until Nipsey Hustle album came out. And then when Nipsey Hustle album came out, I was going back and forth and listening to both of those. But then eventually I ended up just listening to Nipsey Hussle's album Victory Lap, and that album like it got me through a lot. Um, but when I speak about just inspiration, the inspiration he provided for me, like I normally I don't listen to playlists. I, I um, when I'm out and about, I, I listen to albums. I like to consume albums from top to bottom, um, and like I make playlists, but I don't really listen to playlists. I rarely put my music on shuffle. I normally just like to consume whole albums um, in, in their entirety. But anyways, I say all that to say, I used to listen to this man album on my way to school. I used to listen to this man album when I was working out. And I used to listen to this man album when I just needed to put music on. And I was doing it subconsciously, but it was like I really wasn't realizing that that's what I was doing. But it was like when I, I would get in the gym, and this was going on for like a whole three months maybe. And I would need something to put on, and I just put that album on. I listened to it from start until I finished my workout. And that's not something that's common, especially for me. Like the the only time I really like to listen to playlists is when I'm working out. Cause I don't like to listen to the same songs over and over, and I don't like to uh, hear the same songs, uh, not over and over. But I don't like to hear the same songs like within a certain time span. Like if I hear a song too much within two weeks. I don't want to hear that song anymore. Like I heard it too much. Like I'm, I'm constantly changing my workout playlist, taking songs out, putting new songs in, and also just growing it so that you know it, it defeats the the opportunity of me being able to hear the song over and over. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but that just shows how great of that album was. Damn, where was I going? I don't know. But uh, I'm gonna get into another clip. My second clip was just him understanding. I spoke about him. Ultimately, living and dying within the community he was raised up in, um, a lot of initially a lot of news outlets tried to like pinpoint him as you know someone who was a, a former game banger and blah blah blah. Like that's not who he was. We know, we're not going to demean this man for all that he's done for us just because of his past. And if, if he was a game break, game banger, that's great. Um, I compare him in, in this sense to someone else I look up to because Dempsey Hustle. Ultimately, in my life, is going to be somebody who's going to be a great inspiration to me and someone I'm going to champion for the rest of my life. But you guys know from listening to this podcast that that uh, Michael X is a great role model, someone who I look up to, someone who continuously inspire me. And I think Nipsey Hussle is going to 
eventually, if he's not right now, going to be in the ranks of Malcolm X as far as people I look up to. But um, Malcolm X is someone who did who had a troubled past and eventually changed his life around. Nipsey Hussle, I'm not going to say he had a troubled past, but he was a product of his environment. And he understood that. And I'm a, and you're going to hear that in this clip that I'm going to play for you guys that he's going to get into that. He was like, he was literally just a product of his environment, but he was able to 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 get out of that mind state that he was raised up in. Um, I was up close. I, I saw like the effects of it up close. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it was never something that I felt would be honest to promote. Right. You know what I mean? I I I was I was really really close to a lot of people that was affected negatively by you know our culture. Yeah. yeah. So um. At the same time, I was inside of it, so I, I empathized and understood from my own lifestyle and my own experience of, you know, how young people get brought into that life, you know, so I could never take a, like, uh, judgmental perspective on it, yeah. but I also was like, it's almost a catch-22, mm. you know what I mean? And you you, you kind of stubborn to the outside world when you were part of that culture. Yeah. Because you, like, y'all don't y'all don't experience what we experience, y'all don't, y'all don't understand what, what motivate the decision to bang and, and be involved, and once you start banging, a lot of people signed up for something that they didn't, they they didn't know how serious it was going to get. You know, being young and just being outside, and it maturing into something that got serious. And what do you? Think and before I even move on, I just want to go back and double back and say that in no way, type, or form, I'm trying to disrespect Tupac. I'm gonna say it. I said it already. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna always say it. I never, ever, ever want to be. Someone who speaks ill of the dead. Um, that's not how I was raised. Especially coming from, like, that's just plain and simple. This is not how I was raised. Just plain and simple. So I never want to be someone who speaks ill of the dead. But I think it's it's demeaning to, I understand how high regard we hold Tupac in. But I think it's demeaning to compare Nipsey Hussle to Tupac. Because both great men in their own way. But it's literally that they're both great men in their own way they provided a lot for a lot of people they provided a lot of inspiration and like i know the main reason why people like to make that comparison is because you know tupac was instrumental in he said that he may not be around he, he may not be around to to see change as far as like the the mindset of the mentality of black people uh in america especially like black people in the ghetto uh owning their the neighborhoods uh taking over you know the neighborhoods and improving like just the mentality overall tupac was very instrumental and he was very vocal about him not being around but him providing that providing that spark in someone's mind and so like a lot of people initially when kendrick lamar started to 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 get more popular they pinpointed kendrick lamar for that no one ever spoke of that being nipsey so i think it's disrespectful to to say that he was our generation's Tupac because Tupac was Tupac. So just as Tupac was Tupac, Nipsey Hussle was Nipsey Hussle. We don't, we didn't say that Tupac was, or I don't know, but I didn't hear it. We didn't say that Tupac was his generation, Huey Newton. We didn't say that Tupac was his generation's Fred Hampton. We said Tupac was Tupac. So I think Nipsey Hussle demands that same type of respect. Which I know, like, comparing him to Tupac is great, but I also think that, I think the saying is, comparison is the thief of joy. So don't compare the two. They're both two separate men, and they both did great work. They provided great inspiration, and Nipsey Hussle is Nipsey Hussle. Um, now, 
to get into and this episode I didn't want this episode to be long because it's gonna be focused around centering around one thing, but um you guys know me, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know I get on tangents. But um yeah, what was I gonna get into? Oh, I remember where I was going. Uh in regards to that clip. I got one more clip. It's gonna be the last clip I play for you guys and I'm gonna say my closing remarks and we're gonna get out of here. Um this last clip it kind of ties into the previous one I just played uh, to speak about that one was, was basically it just shows that he wasn't he wasn't somebody who was stuck in a mindset. You know, oftentimes it's hard for us to, to shed the ideas of, you know, that was placed upon us or shed the ideas that that are the norms in our community. And he Nipsey Hussle as a man was so authentic that he was able to. To understand that, okay, you know, this this type of idea or this type of behavior was learned just because of where I was placed or what was going on around me. But he was ultimately able to transcend that while also still being 100% himself. Like, Nipsey Hussle never, like, once he got famous, he never separated himself from being from being a game banger. But... People didn't respect him for being a game maker. People respected him for for being a man. People respected him from being uh, like a lot of the IG posts I from that I read from like celebrities that knew him. The the common thing amongst all of them was that he was a stand up man. It was never that you know he was the hardest nigga that I ever met or he never took no bullshit. It's just that he was a stand up man. He stood on the word every word that he that he spoke, um, and he was he was very. And you can hear it in these clips. I don't know if you guys are picking it up, but in these clips that I can play, he's very—he's a very well-spoken man. Like I've watched, I've even previous to this, like I've watched—not uh, even previous, previous to his death. I've always—it's certain artists that whenever they do an interview, I tend to to listen just for inspiration, also just because of the game that they're giving in their, their interviews. And Nipsey Hussle is one of the rare people. Vince Staple is another one. Uh, Lupe Fiasco sometimes is some of them. And it's kind of biased because that's my favorite rapper. But it's very rare that, and obviously Kendrick Lamar, but it's very rare that we uh, we get artists that are well-spoken. And you get that with Nipsey Hussle. Like, even within certain interviews, when he say that he, when he, when he say certain things, and he know that it can come off a, a different way than what he meant, he always double back and correct himself or explain why he was uh, thinking that. Um, and what I mean by that is just that like he was very not even well spoken but he was also well thought out you know when he speaks about his business ventures and he speaks about how he get into it and what he's planning on doing he's very strategic in the way that he he speaks about certain things and he also is very strategic and keeping that balance between the businessman and being uh, a music uh, 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 a rapper I was watching his one interview where he was talking about how you know, for most of his career, he has been known for his business. And when his previous album, his debut album came out, he didn't want to be known for his business. So he strategically, when he was going into interviews, even though people were inquiring about his business ventures, he strategically only talked about music because he wanted to be more known for music in that space because he was uh, executing a rollout of an album. So that just goes to show just how well thought out of a man he was. Um, and I'm going to continue to sing his praises for the rest of my life. But uh, this next clip I'm going to get into, which is him speaking about that respect. You know, that I said that the common theme within his IG post was people respecting him. People respecting him as a man. People respecting him as an artist. Um, and he understood that people respected him. And he kind of, in this clip, he speak about 
you know, what he did to, to earn that respect and how he was able to, to garner that respect from people. I think it wasn't always like that. Mm. You know, when I first came in the game, I think just based on me saying 60s in my music yeah. and being vocal about where I came from, it turned a lot of people off of just L.A. Mm. That, that's a part of that from other tribes. Yeah. That was just turned off. I can't listen to that music. But mm. over time, you know, demonstrations speak louder than conversations. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So people see how I'm moving and probably watch an interview and, I never dissed no hood in my music ever. Mm. You know, I never, mm. I never went on the record and said "fuck this hood" or you know what I mean. Use derogatory words that we say in our own area yeah. publicly. I never done that because I knew that I was serious about music, mm. and I, I wanted to be specific about where I came from. But I ain't want to disrespect the other sections as well. Absolutely. And um, outside of that, I just think that I also put forth who I was as a man. Mm. You know, in my music and in my way I move and, in, and also just in my interviews and everything to where I think over time people got to look past where my mama moved me. Okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? And, and, and see like what type of human being I was. I'm glad that he kind of spoke on the relocation in that clip because that's literally the my closing remarks for the situation. Um, the bigger picture is this man was, was robbed from children he was robbed from parents. He was robbed from siblings. He was robbed from a fiance. He was robbed from fans because of a coward. A coward couldn't handle how he was being dealt in regards to simply just being asked to, to leave the area. He felt that that was demeaning to him. So he decided to take a life. And this is something. And I hate to make situations like this seem about me because I would never want to seem about me because that is way bigger than me. But this is just a mentality, I think, within the hood. It's like I think one of the big problems as far as being in the hood is that we don't want to leave is because we're scared. And I think another thing is that that right there, it hinders us. So how this relates to me is like, I spoke about in, in this episode, I spoke about in this podcast episodes ago about how I lost my brother. Um, I lost my brother two years ago, and around the time that I lost my brother, I knew that I was moving to New York and months to come. But me personally, I didn't want to leave because I felt like I was running away. And I don't want, and I didn't want to feel like I was running. Ultimately, I ended up leaving just because, like, I had to finish school. I had to graduate. I had a certain time in life for my life, so I wanted to finish school. And I didn't have to leave, I guess per se, but I didn't really want to be in California no more. And I ultimately ended up leaving. But just like the, I felt like I was running away because I could have been in that. I could have been home. I could have went back home. I could have went to the school back home. But I felt like. Me going to New York was, even though New York has ghettos and stuff too, but I think me moving away from what I'm known is something that was like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like hindering my thought process of, of the reason why I wanted to go to New York. Like the reason why I wanted to go to New York and the reason why I've been away from home the whole time I've been out of the military is that I particularly didn't want to be back home because I know of the evils that exist back home. But I also just know that, you know, me being home, I wouldn't be able to get too much done. And I know that, like, my mental capacity is, expands way beyond the area I grew up in, the area I was raised in. Um, and this goes back to something. And I also spoke about this in previous episodes about how when I was 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old, 
you know, my mama moved my my us from the hood to the suburbs. And this is something I resented most of my teenage life. Um, I ultimately ended up leaving the suburbs about three, four years later uh, after my, my freshman year of high school and I went to a, another area. But I always resented that move to the suburbs because here you have all I've known for my whole life was Eastside Compton. Uh, I went to school. I played basketball, like in recreational. I played t-ball. I played football. Um, and we, even when I was at home playing outside, all the kids that was around me looked like me. So, like, the majority of my school was black people. The majority of my teammates were black people. The majority of my friends were black people. And if they weren't black, they were close enough. They were brown. So, like, this is this is just a mindset of a kid. This is all I've known. Also, just, like, I was very close in proximity to my family. So, like, the majority of my life, this is all i know. And then we moved to the suburbs, and it was, like, a culture shock for me because, you know, this is this is what I'm used to. This is all the people that have been around me my entire life. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in this area where we are the minorities. It's not that many people of us, uh, and if there are, we are spread out. We are all not in the same classes. There's maybe two of us to a class, and the majority of this class is made up of white people. The majority of these neighborhoods are made up of white people. Uh, the majority of these jobs are held by white people, whether it's a teacher or it's a, a youth league coach or whether it's a... a this anything if you think of it were held by white people so this is something that like i didn't understand as a kid and i was so shell-shocked that i resented the move a lot but it wasn't until i became an adult that i realized how monumental that move was for my life because i didn't want it i didn't want to leave the hood just because it's like that's uh, somehow that's a mindset that's instilled to people that's in those areas, underprivileged areas like that. Like that's all we knew. That's all we want to know. And we resent so much as far as moving out and certain things moving in. Like gentrification is something that's talked down upon, which it should be because, you know, the ultimate idea of gentrification is to relocate uh, the people in these um, who have. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The people who have manned these un underprivileged communities for so long, the idea is to, all right, let's move them out and place them elsewhere and let them figure it out however they figure out. Let's move them into places where they don't have too many resources. Let's move them to places where they're not able to attain jobs. Let's move them to places where it's hard for them to even, you know, able to, to be able to provide for their family because the cost of living is so high. So I understand the reason why we talk down upon gentrification, but I think also going forward there's not going to be a change i i hear a lot of people talking about you know the change in and gang violence and senseless murders and stuff that's not going to happen gangs have been around for so long that i it's never going to be a point in time that gangs just don't exist i don't i can't think of and i may be ignorant but i can't think of one single issue that's going to be like okay now gangs don't exist or something that's going to move forward to gangs not existing anymore because this shit is way bigger than people think it is. Um, so I don't think that's the solution because it's never going to happen. But I think a solution is we have to do better for our children. We have to break cycles. Um, I was reading a Facebook post from one of my cousins uh, not too long ago where he was talking about breaking a cycle. I think one of those cycles is it's moving our kids out of those areas. Um Because we are subjected to a certain mindset. We are subjected to a certain type of thinking that we don't ever want to get out and ultimately our kids are going to consume that same type of thinking like i'm glad like as an adult i can appreciate that move my mama did but as a teenager and as a kid i hated that move but as an adult i can appreciate it and i don't even know if this was intentionally her decision but i'm glad that she got us out of it because this is a woman who for a whole 30 plus years of her life um 
not even 30, I think it was like 40, because if I was, no, no, 30, whole 30 plus years of her life, all she has known was East Compton. My father, the same thing. All he have known entire is entire lives. All my father have known for his entire life, and up until a certain point, was East Compton. So you know, it's certain things that's ingrained in them, and it's certain things that that's the norm to them because of the community they was raised in. That you know, had I been subjected to being raised in that same thing, there would have been a cycle. I would have been raised the same way they would have been raised. The norms that was the norms for them within the community would have been the norms for me when I was raised. And then I would have birthed a, a child or a, a son or a daughter within that same community. And that child or a daughter would have been raised with that same type of mindset. So I think it's very important that we just get. And, and I know it's hard because it's like it's all we know. And sometimes majority of times, I know, especially in my case, our family is around. So it's like you don't want to move your kids away from the family or you personally want to be away from your family. Well, I think moving forward, it's important that we get out of these communities uh, for better or for worse. It's not going to do us any good. I understand the point in trying to build up and trying to change the cycles, but it's hard to it's hard to break cycles when you're inside of it. And that previous clip, Nissy Hustle uh, was talking about. Uh, him being able to empathize for those in gangs because he was in it, but he's also, you know, he's bigger than that now, and he's on the outside looking in, even though he's still ingrained within that community. He's on the outside looking in, and he can never look at him from a judgmental point of view because he he's he's of that and he's from that. So I say that to say that we can't develop that mindset until we're able to get ourselves out of it. So like, I'm glad that. I had the experience of moving, like, I'm not going to say I'm glad because I fucking hated moving around as a kid, but moving around as a kid, it gave me the experience of being open to, to other cultures, maybe cultures I didn't like, but it still gave me the experience of being able, now I'm able to move in certain in, in certain circles or able to move within different uh, cultures or certain things like that because of my experience of, of moving from the hood to the suburbs to the desert. I've been around a, a lot of people. I've seen how a lot of people operate. I've seen how a lot of neighborhoods operate. And I've seen how, you know, certain communities operate. So, like, I'm very diverse in that. And not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm very diverse in that. So, like, I have, I understand 100% that in my state that Nipsey Hussle was talking about in the, the clip before the last one, when he was saying that he's able to empathize, but he's also able to not look at them from, from a judgmental point of view because he's from that. I just spent my whole life in the hood, but. The majority of my life was in a certain if I moved around a lot, but the majority of my life was in a certain one spot. So I know what comes with living in those areas. But even when I moved out, I still had family back there. So when it was coming for holidays, you know, we was going back down there it was coming for birthdays, we was going back down there. Uh, sometimes just on the weekends, we didn't have anything to do, especially like when we first moved to the suburbs, we was going back to the hood. Just about every other week, we were catching it. We either drive down there or we would catch the Amtrak and just go back down there to the hood for the weekend because that's just like it was hard for us to break that cycle initially. And I want to say, I don't know if this again, I don't know if intentionally that's what my mama was doing, but I have to. I, if you listen to this, mama, thank you for getting us out of there because you and intentionally or unintentionally, you broke a cycle, and so now I'm able to move forward with my life as an adult as a man to understand certain things that just aren't right like the evils that come within you know being in the hood and trying to to improve certain things it, it breeds a lot of jealousy and that's ultimately what took the life of of a, a community leader 
of an icon, a mogul, a business mogul, a great entrepreneur, a rapper, a voice. That's ultimately what took the life. And I'm sorry for that slamming door. This microphone is, hears everything outside of my apartment somehow. But anyways, uh, it took the life of someone who inspired countless amount of people within these neighborhoods. So I'm going to get out of here. But that's just it's unfortunate that we have to go through this. And I don't think this this unfortunate um, passing of Nipsey Hussle is ever going to feel right just because of he has so much stuff that he has done and he has so much stuff set in motion like literally the day that he passed the chief of the LAPD said that they were uh scheduled to meet with him the day that literally the day after he passed because at his the most important part was it was at his request that they were scheduled to meet with him to to discuss like the matters of how to improve the relationships um of the police within that community with the people in that community and also just like how to 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 stop gang violence um and i said that that last clip was my was my last clip but this is going to be my last clip he also spoke about just the transformation of that corner that you know he owned the retail spot in um and seeing that tweet and listening to this clip it kind of pairs each other together of what his mindset was like his mindset was so far in the future and he had so much stuff in motion and we won't ever get to see that you know i'm pretty sure his brothers will carry out a lot of stuff that he said in motion but just like we don't have that voice no more his brother was a is a great businessman his brother's not a rapper so like we don't get to hear about certain things through rap like a lot of us especially black people all we got is music and religion those are the two things we turn to because this world is so evil and only thing we could use for escape is literally music and religion. So we don't have that outlet for Nipsey Hustle no more. Like we can we can see certain things he may have set in stone or certain things he may have set in motion, but we're never gonna be able to hear him talk about it with us no more. And that's that's very unfortunate. Um but I'm gonna get into this last clip where he talked about just a transformation of the corner that he ended up turning into the the retail spot that he had. And how this relates to the the meeting he had set up with the LAPD to improve the the conversation of the community and the police officers that patrol the community. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, well, even, what about even here? You know, because I saw recently, like, maybe like a year ago, I saw the cops raided this uh, place. Yeah. This yeah, they, they do that when they want to. They try, you know what I'm saying, to come through here. And it seems like you're targeted or something. Like. Well, this, this, this corner is, is known for something else than what we're doing on this corner. So it's a transition and it's a learning curve that the police even going through mm. to really accept that. Some people from over here are doing legitimate business oh. and paying taxes and like doing everything by the book. Mm. That's why, you know, even the other day I parked, even to this day, I parked right there where I'm at. They jumped out on me to crash police four days ago and hopped out and give me an ID. And I'm telling them, bro, wow. you're not going to find nothing on me. You, every time y'all y'all been doing this for how long, bro, you're not going to find nothing on me. And he, he took my ID, ran my shit, and he let me go. But I don't take it that personal because... They they they're getting educated also. They mm. the police still getting educated to who we are and what we what our real intentions are. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But shit, I mean, and that's really all I have for you guys this episode. I apologize if I was all over the place, but literally this this I don't know just, just doesn't sit right with me. And there's a lot of stuff going through my mind, and I know it's a lot of stuff I didn't cover in regards to Nipsey Hussle and the man that he was and 
everything that he's done for us. But I hope that I did enough to explain why he was so important, why this death hurts so much. Um, I guess in my parting words, I would say, Nipsey Hussle, thank you so much for continuously providing the inspiration for inner city children and even inner city young adults. Um, As someone who is had the same mindset, had the same idea that I want to go back into my community and I want to be able to to provide some type of change within my community. I want to be able to provide some type of opportunities within my community. When it's time for me to really start putting stuff in stone, I know I can I can look at your blueprint that you set out for for us for what you did on Crenshaw Slauson. Eventually, I plan on doing that on Rosecrans and Burris, and I know I can pattern a lot of my ideas behind what you have done. And I didn't know you personally, so I obviously can't. I couldn't have had the opportunity to to personally thank you, but I've always studied and watched certain moves that you did throughout your career, and all that was so inspirational for you to for you to to be of a uh, a certain background, for you to be of a certain community, for you to be of a certain demographic, for you to be able to to transcend all of that, and then go back. And just change the way people see you. Like at one point in life, you were seen just as a as a as a as a hustling game banger. For you to transition that to a rapper, and then for you to transition from a rapper to a to a business mogul to a a, a tech mogul, for you to be a, a successful entrepreneur. For all of those to be like when we speak, of, when I speak of Nipsey Hussle, when I speak of you, all those things come before rapper. Even with you have been, even with you releasing the best album last year, I still think of other titles of you before a rapper comes. So I thank you for providing a blueprint of how to to go back into our neighborhoods as Black and Brown people, and to be able to to spark some type of change because we know that the forces to be as far as like what the um what is the word I'm looking for. There, there are a lot of variables within how the hood is made up, whether it's like people bringing in, bringing in certain retail opportunities to, to kick us out because we can't afford it or to kick us out of our the, the homes that we own for you to 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 bring in a retail opportunity and then employ people of that community to keep the, the economy, you know, uprising. Not, even if it didn't affect the economy a lot, it still brought in revenue that wasn't there before. It, it brought in revenue that wouldn't have stayed in the hood. So with you creating that retail space within that hood and and I don't want to I don't want to uh limit what Nipsey Hussle inspiration was just to that retail space cuz he did a lot. He did a lot for the kids as well, putting on just like fundraising drive and also like uh the programs that he presented. Like he had a lot of he was uh what is the word I'm looking for? STEM. If you guys know what STEM is, I believe it's statistic, uh scientific uh what is it? Tech te- technological E is for um, engineering, and I I don't remember if the F is for mechanical or mathematical. But he provided a, a lot of opportunities for the kids as well because he understood that you know these opportunities are not provided for us, but in other in other neighborhoods, 
they are available. And so that's the reason why people of color and women are underrepresented in places like Palo Alto or places like Silicon Valley, because from kids, we are not allowed. We are not afforded those opportunities as other kids are. So thank you for everything you have done for the entire community, the entire county of Los Angeles, for the entire world. But I'm speaking as a as a young kid from Eastside Compton. Thank you for the opportunities and the blueprint for what you laid out and to what we can do within our community and and the right way to go about it and the way to carry ourselves in the the way that we are carrying this thing out you know not to be too braggadocious not to make ourselves seem better than anybody but also just being accessible to that community unfortunately that may have been a cause of your demise but still like you being accessible was also just a great inspiration enough because a lot of times in these in, in our neighborhoods is that we see people are changing certain things, but they're not accessible or we may see certain things. Certain people who have may have their names on certain buildings or have the name of certain programs, but they never stepped a foot within the communities that they are implementing these programs for you to to be accessible was provide enough inspiration for a lot of people, whether they knew what you were doing or not. This you being there was held enough value. So. I'm going to get out of here, but rest in peace to the late, great Nipsey Hussle for the rest of my life. I'm going to continue to to sing my prayers, my my, my praises for him, um, even going forward in life and what I have planned. I know I can pattern a lot of stuff after what he did. Even as a man, um, I didn't really get into how he carried himself as a man. I played that clip and I talk about it a little bit, but even how he carried himself as a man, a lot of men could could pattern himself after that. Even how he how he carried himself as a father and how he carried himself as a fiance, just stand up dude all around. So rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Um, thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for constantly providing that inspiration for us. Um, we're gonna get out of here. I do want to thank my listeners for tuning in. If you've been in this whole time, we're about an hour and ten minutes in. Thank you guys for tuning in to Speaking My Peace Podcast, episode 10. Um, please, please, please rate and subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever the case may be. Please, please, please rate and subscribe to this podcast. Now that we're going to get out of here, my what to watch for this week, I don't have one, obviously, but just go and listen to... A Nipsey Hustle interview. I promise you, you're going to come away with some type of gym, some type of gems. And no matter what interview it was, and no matter how long ago it was, and no matter how recent it was, no matter what interview you decide to pinpoint and listen to, I promise you, you're going to find something in that interview that may help you, may inspire you. Um, and even if you don't, it's just it's great information and, and it's great content to see the how well spoken he was, uh, how well spoken of a man he was. See how he strategically talked about certain things um and how he just it's just great content all around i don't need to i don't need to sell him short i don't need to to and i i would never be do, do justice to to break down how great of a interview uh interviewee he was but definitely go back this week and just find the nipsey hustle interview and listen to it um i don't have a best kept secret because it's not a secret but i'm just getting into this uh Loaded basses. I may play two songs, but my quote unquote best kept secret, because it's not a secret, it was a Grammy nominated album, is Loaded Basses by Nipsey Hustle. That's all I have for you guys this week. I'm out! Loaded Basses, that's my motivation. 
Nigga feelin' lucky, we should go to Vegas 2018, motor transportation Got me feelin' over anxious like a home invasion My dough inflated and I'm more creative It's like a couple big deals, but it's no parading Just a couple niggas every generation I wasn't supposed to make it out with the code matrix And when they get to speak, it's like a coded language Reminds niggas that they strength and all the stolen greatness We used to shoot at niggas out the mobile station Full circle, mobile motivation My self-educated through negotiations Got these sharks that I'm sitting at this table with afraid to bait No ten on my Mercedes, that's for inspiration Two kilos on my neck like the fucking 80s Boy, that's how I slots and have no my demonstration Born and raised, y'all affiliated It's really greatness Riding round like I really made it Loaded bass, I'm going Willie Mason Yeah Listen to my ambition cause I'm on one Swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I've got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them You got the ball, I'ma take it home I was sitting on my link and I start thinking Nigga ain't gon' make a hundred mil off in these tracing More than likely I'm gon' end up in somebody precinct Even worse, horse and cares front the church Laid off in the hearse, I dealt with it I ain't just out here for my health with it I weigh the risk and the reward and sink the scale tipping Let's all get on one accord and take the world, niggas Take the money, take the power and the girls with us Can't buy that bullshit that they sell, niggas They bring drug heads to jail, niggas Look all these ways they derail, niggas That's why I respect me to the utmost when you see me how I feel, nigga Cause I ain't fail, niggas I seen it coming, did not tell, niggas Different lanes, same passion for the male, niggas Switch lanes, all black, two glass sellers V12 too fast, nigga, gone Listen to my ambition, cause I'm on one Swinging for the fences for the home run Even further beyond into the universe But I've got to make it to first first It feels like every second's being stolen I risk it for every ticket we sold them You got the ball, I'ma take it home Bottom line, I'm gonna make it home